Welcome to the Unsupervised Adulting Podcast, where we're focusing on how to figure out this thing called life. We're going to get organized, we're going to stay focused, and most importantly, we're going to just cut right through the crap. I'm your host, Andrea Weaver. Hey, y'all, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. I am going to get right to it. Uh, This podcast is very near and dear to my heart because it is probably the most publicly vulnerable I've ever been in my entire life. And uh, I didn't really have a choice. I feel like I had to write a speech, a final speech for my speech class. And the topic was personal testimony. Now I tried to write about being a mom, being a black woman, being a single mother, being pushed out of my hometown due to gentrification. I mean, I tried to talk about everything and every time I wrote something to speak about, it always led me back to this space. And the reason why it's so important to me and I feel like I should share is because we all walk around with things like I said in my speech class time and time again, sometimes it's important to just call a thing a thing, to name it, to realize it, to settle in it, and really understand what that is and and how it's affecting you so that you can move forward. And for me, the woman that is always trying to be introspective, I've kind of overlooked this in order to deal and to cope. I think that's all I'm going to give you. I am going to just let you hear it. I'm going to let you sit in it. And this is going to be this podcast. I think this is a great way to start my new year off. I got such great feedback from my professor. Thanks, Vincent. He's at CCSF. Vincent Chandler, I love you so much. You were great. And you really brought some greatness out of all of us. And I really hope that you continue to do that. And that's all I have, folks. Buckle your seatbelts. Here we go. I have literally never truly felt safe in my entire life. You ever put your head down, get on the grind, balls to the wall, and finally look up and you don't even remember how you got there? I've gone so far as to mentally live in a state of war. Flight or fight, bad bitch expecting nothing and only giving enough to get by. I'm on to the next agenda, flying past all seven stages of grief. There's shock and denial, pain and guilt, my personal favorite, anger, but it's also coupled with bargaining, depression, reflection, loneliness, the upward turn, reconstruction, and working through, and then finally acceptance and hope in no particular order. When I look back on my life and the things I've had to deal with emotionally, things really took a tall toll in 2006. It stands out to me like a sore thumb. I was 19, living my best life, trying to be out here in these streets, and I found myself being responsible for taking care of my mom, making sure her affairs were in order after her terminal diagnosis of pancreatic cancer. The strong force that said no was me, that made the decisions 
and protected her agency at all costs. I no longer saw her as a woman that I could never see myself being. I no longer saw her as a woman that stayed with a man that just so happened to be my father, who hit her so hard once that the doctors thought that she would go blind. The person that I hated because I didn't want to be that woman was now this strong house, this powerhouse that now I only had six more months to really get to know as the woman. And we only had started doing that two years prior. My siblings and I all lived in the same house with her still managing, making sure things were together, made sure she went to her doctor's visits, made sure she had what she needed. I made sure she had hospice, made sure my sister's kids were good. And after January, we knew we had to prepare. And for a time, I was the only one who knew from about January to February that she was indeed going to die. But I held on and I pushed through and all the stages of grief, I got right to acceptance, upward turn, and I started working through it. I knew it needed to be done because everyone else was so damn emotional. By April, she was barely aware and in and out of consciousness. So you can imagine my shock that my brother was diagnosed with leukemia. Now he had cancer. Two sick patients in our home. My brother and I were 15 months apart. Non-traditional twins, if you can imagine. The boy that I beat up other people over for making fun of him. And then watch him grow into this man that will fight anybody over me. Just a few days before his birthday, he was lying in the house and unable to move after his friend's mom came and dropped him off and said, Elijah's sick. I don't know what's wrong, but he's not speaking. I remember looking at him and I didn't recognize this person. Elijah's 6'4 and 210, full of life and a free spirit. I didn't recognize this guy, 160, with a feeding tube down his throat, saying, Drea, I just want to die. I also didn't recognize shock and denial, the pain and the guilt, the angered bargaining or the depression. I did know hope, so I went with that, and I merit reconstruction and working through and acceptance. Fuck it. Let's get it done. During that six months, I still went to work. I still had my sister and her kids. I still had to make sure that her medical was going to make sure the hospice was coming through through the house. It's just who I am, who my father raised me to be, the standalone woman who didn't take no shit and make sure that her people were taken care of. That was my job, and I made it my business. You can imagine my surprise when I looked up one day. My mom passed away in our house. Not only did I not recognize the house that I had grew up in, I couldn't even leave my room. I was afraid to look. I was afraid to see my sister. I was afraid to see my nieces. I was afraid to see my brother. I was afraid to acknowledge it. I could not speak. When cancer spreads to someone's brain, they're unrecognizable, not only in physical appearance, but in their mental stability. You can tell that they're in pain and you wish for the mercy of their death because you don't want to see them that way anymore. Nothing prepares you for that moment. 
I lost my mom that day the most horrific, deteriorating way that you can imagine. So you know what I did? I dealt with it head on, and I went to work that same day. I don't remember the funeral. I don't remember who was in the house. I don't remember who came over. I don't remember what I said or what I did after that. I just put my head down, balls to the wall, and it was grinded out time. Hell, I still had a sick sibling in the house, in and out of the hospital, experiencing side effects from his chemo that made him not be able to walk or in danger of eating and eating or drinking without threatening to choke to death. I didn't have time to think about it. I was trying to I was trying to get up and return to what I had already accepted. In June we had a funeral and then 2 weeks later a close friend of mine PJ to me and my boyfriend at the time dies in a car accident after we all us friends had been kicking it the night before and he was missing in action. I stopped breathing. It felt like forever. I took a breath, called my boyfriend and my best friend and picked my head up long enough to notice we were at his repass the first week in July. All of us girls were laughing and joking about PJ and all of our good times together. Him making jokes about a few of us couples having children, and then him calling CPS so he could get custody of them. For shits and giggles, we decided we'd take pregnancy tests from the CVS across the street. I mean, we were good and tipsy, laughing loud and enjoying each other's company on this truly sad day, or at least what could have been. It felt good for once to really feel some hope and feel connected again to people. We were laughing so hard at one point, this lady came into the bathroom and turned right around. I think I mentioned saying we all needed to make sure we stay connected when I looked down and realized I was having a baby. The wash of all the feelings of grief washed back over me, but not because it was about my, about my son, Rodney. It was about not being able to share this with my friend, and my mom. I felt it the next day. The shock and denial and the bargaining and the anger and the depression came so hard. I fell to the ground at some grocery store parking lot by myself next to my car. I was literally bursting at the seams. I took a breath and I accepted that this was happening. So acceptance kicked in. I shoved it all back down because it was time to take care of business. There are moments in drama like any young person having a baby has. I only remember those because my body and mind filtered everything through anger. The only thing holding those scenes together was my solace and anger saving me, knowing that something bad is going to bend the corner, so I needed to be ready. I didn't have time for all the other stuff. I'm not killing anybody. And my son didn't ask to be here, so it's my job to be here for him. I'm on my grind, honey, and you couldn't tell me not one thing. Now, I felt like I was bad bitch, wear goddess, and now could add mama bear to the list. I was feeling so bossy. I had got the right selfie body bounce back pick, 
back like I never left, posted it on Facebook, scrolled to see who commented or liked it. R.I.P. Elijah Weaver, he was like a brother to me. That had to be wrong because that's my damn brother. I searched his name and saw more of the same. I called my dad. He didn't answer the phone. There was no fucking way he didn't call me. No way. Hi, denial. Oh, (laughs) this is what this feels like. I called my sister. She's at work. So I'm walking around pacing. My son asked me um, what I was doing, and I shook my head. I looked at a text in my phone from my dad from the night before when I was out drunk, like any young person, having a good time. Hey, Peachy, that's my nickname, and no, you're not free to use it. He said, Elijah's not doing good. You know what my response was? That's good. Then I remembered I did get that text, and I thought that he said Elijah was doing good. How dare my dad not call me? I felt better because I'm good with anger, but not today. You don't get to be comfortable today, Drea. That pain and the guilt crept right up into my throat, and I could feel a super absorbent paper towel being shoved down my throat, and I was nowhere near a roll. Maybe they were mistaken. I mean, people do that all the time online. Maybe it was another close call with him. I mean, we've had this before. My sister calls me back, and she allows me to hash out all the scenarios, bargaining. Bargaining with what was happening. She hung up, got to the bottom of it, and called me back. He was gone. My mom, well, my stepmom, who I wouldn't dare traitor in the world for was at home with him and to have her had to have her neighbor help her carry him to the car to get to the hospital she's 5'1 my dad racing from work to get there only to have to tell them to stop resuscitation his body couldn't take it anymore his body had reverted back to the guy that I didn't recognize and like that he was gone I didn't get to say goodbye or see him. Here I was, having a good time, and he died like that. God, I can't believe this. Oh, my heart was in my shoes. Once the depression blanket got pulled up to my neck, I was done. Not done with life but just with everything. I was looking for acceptance and work through because that's what I always had in my back pocket. But today I had yoga pants on. I pulled it over my face. I was holding my breath so long, I can't even tell you. Then this little voice inside my head said, it's okay. At least he's not in pain anymore. A little glimmer of hope 
a little glimmer of hope. That must be in another pants pocket that was sitting in my dirty clothes hamper next to me. I looked down and it was my three-year-old son. That was my hope. And worked through it bodied. I stuffed it all in him. And me as a mother, even at the detriment of myself. I wanted to be hope and I wanted to be enduring. I wanted to be endearing. I put my head down and I held my breath and I knew knew that I needed to change some things about myself. I didn't want to be disconnected or compartmentalize and push people away anymore. It was time for me to work on that. I held my breath, I put my head down, and I got to work. I'm sitting in front of my therapist and working through things, and she says, I'm going to have to tell you this over and over again. She gives me this long, pregnant pause. Andrea, you are safe. And in my mind, I'm like, duh, sis. I'm here. I'm talking to you. Obviously, I'm safe. In my mind, of course. She goes on to say, you have been safe for a long time now. I'm going to say it until you really feel it. You are safe. And another long pregnant pause. You are safe, Andrea. Mind you, I'm sitting in front of her, bursting at the seams because things weren't going my way. My anxiety was so high, so high my skin would crawl. I'd have to come out of my clothes while driving or endure false acid reflux with no acid. Not the anxiety attacks that you see on TV. The real ones that affect your body and come out in ways that you cannot control. You are truly safe and you deserve to feel that. You've come a long way. It's been 11 years, Andrea. It's 2017, November to be exact. But I had come a long way. I mean, like a, like a long ass way. How was I not feeling safe? But when I started to reflect and looked on my life, she was right. It had been all over 11 years But in my mind, it was all within that first year of my mom's diagnosis. I compartmentalized so hard that I was dealing with everything at the same time. I never once thought to think that maybe these events were individual moments that I needed to really digest and work through. But here I am, and I'm still still feeling like I'm not safe. I thought I was, but that's what I told myself. How can I feel safe? We are pressed from every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. My mom's voice telling me a scripture in her voice from a memory 11 years ago. Thank you so much for listening. Feel free to follow us on the Unsupervised Adulting 
Instagram, and Twitter. You can also visit the website at unsupervisedadulting.com. Feel free to reach out to me. I love your questions. I love chatting with you. So don't be shy. And thanks again and see you next time. Thank you.